podcasts, echo chambers, and rabbit holes. Welcome to the Undergrad Podcast Lab. This is Gideon Burton. Today, I want to talk about podcasts against the backdrop of digital culture yet again. I've done this in previous episodes, talking about the long tail, about the rise of the amateur, about design thinking. But now, I want to talk about podcasts in terms of uh, two very broad phenomenon phenomena within digital culture, the rabbit hole and the echo chamber. And uh, some of this has to do with um, some concerns that I have ethically about um, uh, podcasting as well as intellectually. And I'm coming at this from the point of view of a college professor who's deeply committed to the liberal arts. And I'm also coming at this as a Christian who has some um, values that I want to protect and advance that I think are deeply ethical. And so I just want you to know where I'm coming from on that. Anyway, let me just describe the phenomenon, then we'll get into the stickier stuff. All right, first topic is the rabbit hole. Now this is a a catchphrase that comes from Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland. Uh, essentially, you know, Alice is invited to go down this uh, into this imaginative otherworldly place by going through this rabbit hole. And it's become a shorthand way of describing um, how you can get lost in another world. And specifically, this is used all the time within digital culture to refer to uh, kind of getting lost in online searching or being consumed with a topic or being consumed with specific kinds of media or something like that. Um, that is certainly true in the world of podcasting. You can get addicted to podcasts just like you can get addicted to Instagram or to pornography or all kinds of things that present themselves for uh, easy consumption online. Um, the rabbit hole, I think, is a very interesting phenomenon, and I want to talk about it in a, in a more general way here. It just I'm not a psychologist, but I, I understand that all of us, ever since the rise of the internet and easy access to worlds and worlds of information and media, that we have found ourselves not always able to help ourselves uh, to, to stop ourselves or control or temper or, or manage ourselves as we get caught up in, in uh, following the, the, the crooked trail of where our interests can range as we go online. So I guess the easiest way to understand that would be someone sitting down at a web browser and they start looking up, I don't know, um, something they want to buy on Amazon or something like that. And pretty soon they, they follow the, uh, you know, people who viewed this item also viewed this or people who purchased this also purchased that. And they, they, they end up a half an hour later at a far distance from the new tires they wanted to buy. And, and now suddenly they're, you know, they're looking at uh, uh, something far different. It's, and, and you could retrace your steps to kind of follow that trail of, of uh, association that took you from one thing to another. But I think uh, all of us in the digital age have at times kind of come up for air after having done a lot of um, either searching or clicking or just kind of following a, a trail of content and then realizing, wow, I... I didn't intend to end up here. I would never have planned uh, spending three hours uh, tracing all of the different characters from the Marvel Universe or um, what what have you. 
and and yet here we are. And so I think there's a kind of common embarrassment we have at having let ourselves go, um, even even if what we're looking at is is you know perfectly legitimate and and nothing to be ashamed of. We might be ashamed of the time we spent in pursuing it. Now I think this is uh, um, partly due to the fact that uh, there, there's just this endless stream of novelty that's available to us and that the tools for accessing or consuming content have become so simple and ubiquitous that it, it's easier to do so. You, you, you're standing in, in the elevator and you pull up your smartphone and you start going through your news feed and then you miss what floor you're supposed to get out on because you're so caught up in your news feed. There's so many different scenarios where this happens from simple web searches to getting lost in the world of Pinterest to, you know, going down that endless news feed stream in Facebook or Instagram. A lot of it is tied to the social media, but it isn't just tied to the social media. I think one one rabbit hole in particular that a lot of people are subject to is Netflix or any of the other kinds of online streaming uh, video services. Any of the streaming services could be this way. Uh, you you simply start in watching a, you know the first episode of Kimmy Schmidt and pretty soon you're you're you've seen a whole season in one evening and you stay up too late. Uh, I remember this happened with my wife and me when we we first discovered uh, the series Twenty Four years and years ago, and I'm quite sure that was the first time that we were ever kind of sucked into something and and uh, I do not think this is a unique experience at all that suddenly we realized it was 2.30 in the morning and we had worked the next day and what were we thinking, but it's just so easy to go on to the next episode. All right, so binging on streaming media is an example of going down the rabbit hole. Uh, so so is um, listening to you know an entire series of a podcast. So to bring this rabbit hole down to podcasts, let, let me put it into maybe two different modes. One way of rabbit holing is to um, uh, uh, keep going through the variety of possibilities that you could take further, and this maybe there's a kind of breadth aspect to rabbit holing. Um, wow, I could look at this, I could look at that. I think that I've done a little rabbit holing with podcasts as I have um, used the discovery features on a podcasting app, and and uh, some, some of those are pretty rich, pretty interesting. They have uh, trending lists, they have top lists that are curated, or they have featured lists that are probably sponsored. Um, they have categories that you can browse. And as someone that has broad interests, you know, the podcast realm is, is very attractive to me because, wow, I, you know, I seriously do have an interest in fountain pens and calligraphy. And I also have a mild interest in uh, cryptocurrency. And I also have a lot of interest in learning languages. And I'm interested in, in contemporary um, art and culture and you know, on and on it goes. And, and there's not just one or two. There's, you know, I, I had, I went down the rabbit hole just trying to figure out which of the fountain pen podcasts to which I, I should subscribe. Okay, so there is this kind of breadth possibility of going down the rabbit hole, of, of uh, you know, sampling. Maybe it's the mad sampler would be a way of describing that. Uh, you're looking at, at so many different possibilities. And the way that showed up has showed up for me is that I subscribe to far more 
uh, uh, podcast than I could ever listen to. Okay. There's another variety of, of uh, rabbit holing with podcasts, and I think it's more along the lines of what you consider uh, when you're thinking about Netflix binging or something like that. And that is you start on a series and then you just you just power through that because somehow you've become part of that, you, you, you invest in that narrative or you feel part of that tribe or you connect with that host and you just want to keep listening to every bit of content that is available there. I think this is uh, particularly true in some of the narrative podcasts that are um, like investigative reporting, true crime sorts of things where there's a kind of goal in mind of we, we, we've got to figure out what happened, a kind of whodunit mentality. And so you just want to plow through all of the content that leads, leaves all the clues for you to digest and, and talk with your friends about. And this is where uh, a podcast like um, Serial or S-Town uh, these really play off of this appetite for wanting to just keep going deeper and deeper into the topic until the truth is discovered. Um, so I think narrative podcasts can be this way uh, if they've got a strong story arc and a compelling premise. I think certain genres of storytelling like true crime tend to uh, play to this appetite all the more. All right, so there's there is that kind of... Um, binging, which is, is not the breadth sort that I was talking about, the kind of mad sampler, but the deep diver kind of rabbit hole, where you just listen to every episode that is there. Okay, so that relates to then the second general digital principle that I wanted to talk about and then refer back to podcasting. Very much related to this kind of deep dive serial binging of of uh, content, whether it's podcasts or whatever else, and uh, and so the topic is this principle of the echo chamber. Now, if you if you're not familiar with this concept, it certainly has been around before the digital age, but it's become more prominent in the digital age. And the basic idea is this: uh, boils down to what's often known as confirmation bias. So we tend to seek out those people or, or those sources of, of content and media that confirm or affirm the points of view that we already have. And so we're drawn, you know, birds of a feather. We're drawn to things that we're drawn to. It's, it's a very fundamental human trait and not necessarily anything wrong with it. Why wouldn't we be? Um, the problem occurs when, because of the way in which we are able to, how do I put this, curate our attention and be very selective about what we choose to attend to, that we, we end up crafting a world that is constructed of just people that keep reaffirming our own worldview. So this, this is really obvious, I think, in modern politics especially within a, di a very divided United States right now, where you have um, more and more polarization between the left and the right, and the media go right along with this. And so if you have, if you are very much on, on the, the left, you will choose those um, media sources, news feeds, you know, Facebook groups, um, podcasts that correspond with your left-leaning views, and the same thing can be said about those on the right. Okay, now, 
that in some respects is understandable and you know more power to us for being able to find our own tribe and to um, feel very connected to others that have similar points of view. The dark side of that, of course, is that we may be in an echo chamber unable to recognize the true reality because we are, we are simply um, wanting to be around others who share our same biases. And at a certain point, then they're not recognized as a bias. And then we've sort of subscribed to an ideology. And the way the ideology functions is that you don't see it as a set of um, confining ideas. You see them as a set of, uh, of ideas that actually uh, establish the worldview that, that, that you hold to. Now, I'm not against worldviews, and I think it's actually really good to be able to find other people with whom you share ideas. I also think that there's a real power within community, and this comes also from my Christian worldview, and specifically as a Latter-day Saint, where we see the power of people who are united within, uh, behind a set of principles, especially if, you know, if you actually believe those principles are are good and, and help people and make people happy and so on. But of course, outsiders to any particular worldview are ready to line up and tell you how your worldview, while it might make you happy, is, is keeping you in the dark and you're not really seeing the full reality for what it is. Okay, now I want to back up to the this uh, point of view from uh, the liberal arts. Now, my background is in rhetoric and that's the art of communication. It goes back to the history of, um, you know, orality and public speaking and things like that. But uh, one of the important parts of the history of rhetoric has to do with the importance of arguing two sides of an issue. And this goes way back to the sophists of ancient Greece. And essentially the idea behind it was this. In a world where we do not have absolute knowledge, and we're living in a community of people where people will disagree about what absolutes are out there. The only way that we can get along productively as a society is to introduce a kind of civil debating and discourse where we arrive at agreements based on civil disagreement. And therefore, we can avoid uh, shedding blood and other things um, it's a sort of check upon our um, the radical nature of individual worldviews, which when we all get thrown together as a bunch of people with different worldviews can lead to discord and death. All right, so it, it basically is uh, something that honors the, the inefficiency and necessity of having um, disagreements in public discourse. And this has um, matured over time and most manifestly in the Enlightenment period, of European history, well, even before that in the Renaissance, but in any case, you have a set of public values that have evolved and are, are very much associated with democracy, in which we affirm the importance of there being many different voices and actually uh, celebrate this as uh, not just a sort of uh, kumbaya diversity sort of thing, but as something that is both intellectually and ethically vital that we are not in an echo chamber, but we are confronted with people that have different values and that we must engage one another and find common ground. And this is how we reach consensus and have peace in society, despite the fact that we are made up of a lot of individuals with sometimes very radical, radical points of view. All right. So that's, that's me 
Um, it's not just me. There's a whole lot of people that subscribe to this level, this kind of liberalism. And when I say that liberalism, I want to be very careful that this is not being understood to be aligned with, say, democratic politics in the United States in the 21st century. I'm talking about a very broad concept of liberalism that comes out of the French Enlightenment. It, it, it's, it's our beliefs in, in um, well, I don't mean to go whole history lecture here, but I just want to affirm the fact that there is a very healthy concept of liberalism that is not aligned directly with current politics, but it's this idea of um, a kind of healthy openness and free exchange of ideas. All right, well, there I am, the, the little scholar um, professor teaching the liberal arts, and, and I'm very committed to that worldview. I hope you are too. I think it's a, a very good one. I also think it's one that is at risk today because the very nature of our digital media put us in a position where it is so easy for us to literally subscribe to our own worldviews that we enter these echo chambers and they become these kind of, uh, they're not just, they might start as digital ruts, but they become intellectual and maybe even ethical ruts and they become very divisive. Now, what does this all have to do with podcasting? Okay. What I don't want to have happen as I teach my students about podcasting, both as consumers or producers, is that we fall prey to the problem of uh, going down rabbit holes and establishing echo chambers and thereby somehow violating those principles of um, civic discourse or of a liberal education or of Christian ethics. And I do think that is exactly a problem that we have today, and we have to be careful to check ourselves one of the ways that I am trying to encourage my students to um, to do this is by making sure that they are not trapped within the things that they are most immediately drawn to as they are uh, investigating the world of podcasts. Just as I could say the same thing if, if, if this were a different sort of uh, endeavor where we're looking more at, at other kinds of, of media, the same problem presents itself in the world of podcasting. We can be drawn to just finding those voices that affirm or confirm our existing worldview, and we may end up then um, becoming more blind and biased and not really recognizing the full range of, of, uh, of human voices and interests. And frankly, it's really good to, to be reminded once in a, quite frequently that one may be wrong about one's ideas. I think that is a, a, a humility that is important both in the intellectual realm and in the ethical realm. Um, I know that I've been at my best in life when I've been willing to think twice, to reflect, and to own the fact that, you know what, I could be wrong. Now, I bring this up because I've been um, listening to a number of podcasts, some of which have been listened to by my students, and so I, I try to keep up with what they're listening to. And and I have to say that I've, I've grown increasingly concerned when I see that I, um, students of mine are spending hours and hours consuming a single podcast, which is very ideological. And this is something that I think is could be problematic both intellectually and ethically. We need to have breadth we need to hear how other people interpret the world 
other than the way that we are most immediately drawn to. And so this is one reason why I'm urging my students to sample broadly, uh, broadly in every sense, topics, formats, length, uh, the types of people who are producing, people that are more professional versus amateur, people that are more uh, international or local, not just national. Uh, this is the part of me that really wants students to benefit from that the, the breadth part of a liberal education because we might be able to find in a range of different voices that um, you know maybe the first voice or the main voice that I've been drawn to for so long isn't the only word that's out there. Okay, so that's that's something that I wanted to bring up today that uh, I, I haven't really taken much of an approach to this previously in talking about podcasting. But these digital principles of uh, the rabbit hole and the echo chamber, they, they're they not just casual things. They're, they're not even just sort of interesting psychological habits that we might observe in digital culture. I think they have really serious consequences. So I'm going to continue to ask myself, have I gone down a rabbit hole? And do I need to come up for air? Do I need to pull back and take a look at where I've been? I'd be a little bit more careful in curating my attention and deciding what is worth my while. Uh, this, this reminds me that in a future episode, I want to talk about curating as a very important concept that has to do with uh, digital culture and podcasting. But do I need to better curate my attention? I think this is a very healthy question to ask oneself. Um, I tie it very much to a Christian principle that I'm very much dedicated to, and that is... Uh, repentance and being able not just to to um, admit to being wrong and and to fixing things but to living a reflective life a sacramental life where you you pause and you think gee could I have been doing this better are there some habits that I've, I've developed that might actually not take my mind or spirit to the best place they need to be so I, I hope that my students will be reflective in this sense, and I hope that they will tie it in both to their uh, general education and to their, um, their ethical life, their, uh, their deep belief systems. We need to be able to listen to other people and see where they are coming from. We need to be able to critique not just other people, but ourselves in the process. And... Um, I think we need to be careful that we safeguard the way that we um, allow ourselves to be drawn into whatever influence or medium. And this includes podcasting. I'm teaching a podcasting class. I'm requiring my students to do a lot of listening, both broadly and deeply. And yeah, I think it even applies to that. Uh, I, I think one must be careful that one does not get sucked in and that periodically one steps back and asks sober, serious questions of oneself. Am I spending my, my, my thinking and my feeling in the best places possible? Are there alternatives? And I don't just mean better podcasts to listen to. I also mean, are there better things I could be doing than listening to podcasts? Because the world is not all about that, even though this podcast is. Anyway, those are a few thoughts. I hope they're worthwhile. That's all for now.